0: Welcome to the Freestyle Approach with Tracy Kafer. This episode is called What the Body Holds with Laura Porsche Hi, hello, welcome. This is Tracy with the Freestyle Approach, and I'm here. On a virtual episode with Laure Porchet, who is right now currently in France. Um, so Laura is going to be joining us, and we're going to be talking about what the body holds. So I'm really excited about this conversation because we um, we've been in dialogue a lot, Laura and I. She was at our last retreat, and I'll, I'll give her a little bit more of a formal in, introduction in a second. Um, but we work with the body in our own particular ways, and I've always been incredibly fascinated with how Lore works with the body and her background because um, she was also a dancer for a very long time. And so Lore uh, came into my life. First of all, Lore, do you want to say hi real quick before hi. I introduce you? <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, so Lore is, um, is someone that I've known for several years. However, us working together is a fairly recent happening, even though it's probably been on the cards for a while. Um, So I met Laura when we were both getting our Reiki Level 1 attunement in Brooklyn, New York. Um, We instantly connected and stayed in touch, sometimes more, sometimes less, over the years. Um, And through, you know, cosmic synchronicity and whatnot, a random conversation led to buying a flight, led to bringing her to Sedona, led to one of the most transformative retreats that we've ever facilitated. And Laura was a huge part of that. And so, Um, I want to give Laura some time to introduce herself and explain what it is that she does. And we were talking about the labels, and I'm using air quotes with my fingers right now, the labels of what she does. Um, She's described her work as soul tending, uh, as body work, as therapy, um, and there's lots of ways to describe it, but I'll go ahead and turn the mic over to Laura and Laura, if you can tell us a little bit about what you do, um, in the present moment, and then we'll go back into how you got to where you are now.
1: Um, all right. Yeah, that's a, it, labels are, are tricky. Um, frankly, um, what I do, I guess the simplest expression of what I do is that um, I mirror things for people so that they can see them better, and then I give them tools um, to to kind of self-regulate or like you know to, to change um, to bring the change that they want in their lives um, and to become their own um, their own nurturer or their own um, caregiver. That's, that's a big focus of on, on my work. Um, and I also work with the body. Very, <laughs> I work with the body a lot. Um, and I give space um, to people's bodies and to people's um, soul and system so that um, it can rearrange itself in coherence. Um, that's, that's pretty much what I do in a nutshell.
0: That's beautiful. And... So what I want to do is maybe go through that, um, in a second layer, especially for people who may, may not understand what that kind of work really means. Um, can we talk a little bit, giving a bit of a container for what that means? You know, particularly I'm thinking about the fact, by the way, I'm outside, so you may hear little motorcycles and cars and things, um, and definitely birds. Um, but it, when it pertains to trauma, when it pertains to the body holding on to things, um, can we talk a little bit about why you have a job?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, why I have a job. Um, <laughs> I think my job is pretty simple. You know, it's, um, the body, I'm not just talking about trauma, you know, the, the, I know most people are aware that uh, now, nowadays. Uh, It wasn't always this way, but nowadays a lot of people are aware that trauma lives in the body um, and that you have to kind of go through the body in order to diffuse trauma. But actually everything lives in the body. Um, There's a Every single thing that you experience, um, you experience through your body, whether you want it or not. Like it's not you know, we're, we're not beings of light, even though it's a it's a really big kind of trend to say, oh yeah, we're all beings of light. No, no, we're not beings of light. We're mm-hmm. actually um, beings of flesh and bones. Uh, and, so, and so everything, your whole reality, you experience through your body, and, and um, your body is the one that digests it, really everything that happens to you um and it can be obviously it can be huge trauma and that becomes uh, quite uh, it can become quite problematic Uh, but it can also be very small things um and it can be and it's obviously all your memories like all your sense memories um i mean there's so (laughs) there's so many things all your emotions all your thoughts all the thoughts that you have that create an emotion or that create a reaction in the body, and we're not aware. You know, most of we live our life in a state of unawareness about um, yeah. what the body, uh, about the responses of our body to things, to our thoughts, to um, the outside world, um, to what we see, to what we read, to it, like so many things. You know, if you if you really really listen to your body. Uh, you would live very differently. And so would I actually, <laughs> like everybody else, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, and the thing about this that always baffles me, and, and this is something that I've, I've come to understand the last few years, of course, but if you actually took, if you like took a reading of your body when you were in a heightened mm. state, like in a state of excitement, a state of fear, um, or even if you noticed you were in a, a chaotic thought bubble or a thought cycle. If you drop down into the somatic experience of that, you would realize, and many of us do, that there are things that register in the body different areas um, and you can notice the the physiological shift, whether it's a tightness in the chest, uh, the body heat rising, all of these different markers. And yet we're surprised about the fact that we have, an emotional and a cerebral component to dis-ease that happens in the body. Um, But the body is really integrated with all of this stuff, all of this stuff that we process, see, experience. Um, And so taking your journey back, can you remember the first time that you maybe started yourself on this path, the path that made you realize, oh, okay, I'm, I'm actually really interested in what's going on. Was it because of something that happened to you or, um, tell me, tell me the first thing that well, comes to your I, mind. I'm,
1: I'm kind of a cheat because I was, I was kind of, um, um, you know, my, my mom, when I was a child, my mom became, um, a therapist and specifically she became a kinesiologist, um, uh, which is a, a modality that works directly with the emotional memory of the body. And you ask questions to the body through muscle um, tonicity, and you get very clear answers about um, the root of problems, like the, the the emotion that's at the root of a present problem, or the age that's right. at, at the root of a present problem. So, and, and I I started um seeing somebody as we say very <laughs> a very kind of like under <laughs> um underway um i started seeing somebody when i was 12 um and it was a kinesiologist. and so it was it was always a given you know like that was never a question for me that um going through the body and asking questions directly to the body. I grew up with having my body answering questions for me about what was wrong. You know? Um,
0: wow. I don't think a lot of people probably would have been exposed <laughs> to that kind of work. So early on. So, so, that's, so that's what I'm saying.
1: Like I, I kind of cheated, you know, in that way. Um, so, it, so it was always in my consciousness. Um, I, I didn't have a, I had a very kind of um, mind-oriented understanding of it because um, I have a very strong mind, like my, my mental side and my mind side is, is really strong. It was just funny considering what I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, you know. yes, I know. Um, so, so I, I really it really made sense to me. Like it always made sense to me, but uh, it didn't mean that I was actually connected to my body responses because it's one thing to go see a kinesiologist and have them test. Um, your arm for yes or no to whatever question they're asking and it's another thing to be really aware of what's going on in your body in the present time um and that has been more of the last few years and i mean i guess all the modalities i do um are uh, kind of stem from that idea that the body is a wonderful communicator you know um and
0: So, I have to interject for a moment because I'd say, you know, most of how the Western world has been conditioned to engage with themselves is very cerebrally. That idea that thought, consciousness, truth, awareness all Mm -hmm. comes from the mind. Um, And so, rather than going in a straight line here, I'm going to take a left and ask that you can you describe in your own words? what listening to the body how does the body talk in in the in your experience how how does it sound different how do you access it and then we'll get back to some more of your
1: background how does the body talk that's actually a really good question um I I I guess it it kind of depends on the space that you give it to talk um I guess you know like because I do a lot of constellation and I was, I, I represented a lot in Constellation. I'm sure we'll talk about Constellation later, but um, that's a certain context. And in that context, my body will talk in movement, will talk in walking to places, or it will talk in emotions um, when I look at, you know, other people in the Constellation with me. Um, but it's very clear because it's a, it's a certain context and it's kind of like made clear to me to feel what's going on with the context. Um, as far as how does it talk to me, um, in a daily, on a daily basis, um, if I can very easily kind of bypass what it's saying, um, unless it starts talking in terms of exhaustion and pain and what most people wait for, you know, they wait for that, um, in order to listen really, cause they don't have a choice. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, <laughs> a really important insight. Um <laughs> But if I did it, you know, I I, go, I do a lot of scanning. Like I do a lot of. Um, it's not really scanning because I, I don't really like that term. But, um, I when something is not sitting right, when I'm not well, um, and when I mean well, I mean you know when I when I don't have um, kind of lust for life, or I don't have energy, or I feel very often for me it, it shows up as nausea as nausea and as, it's just sort of like energy nausea almost it feels like i feel it in my body but it feels like you no know, it's not like i'm gonna throw up or anything it feels like kind of a an overwhelm of something um and if i sit down um, and i go into that or i go into whatever's going on with my body like you're asking how it talks like it talks all the time the problem is that we're not listening um the moment that you sit and that's what what meditation is so useful um the moment that you sit in yourself and you stop stop trying to evade what you're feeling physically um not talking not even talking about emotion because that's a whole other thing but like and usually emotions express themselves physically but when you stop trying to evade being in your body and feeling what's going on and you do the opposite which is like you put all of your attention all of your focus on the place or places that are uncomfortable um then it starts speaking and if you leave and i know some people i i I personally don't do a a form of meditation where you have to refrain from moving um because i find it counterproductive for me i'm not saying it's for, you know I, I know for a fact that it's really good for a lot of people but um i do the opposite which is i go into the the feeling that i'm feeling and i let my body move the way that it wants to move which is a lot of like staccato um, things um can be a lot of like unwinding of the spine or unwinding of the neck And it's really, I'm not doing anything. Like my body is moving of its own accord. I don't really know where it's going, what it's doing. Um, But it's usually enough to kind of process whatever is going on.
0: Mm, So what you're describing, um, do you still consider that the realm of listening to the body or is that a response?
1: Uh, no, it's not a response because I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm not really, I'm just letting some space. I'm just giving space for the body to actually talk, which you don't do. You know, um, we mm. keep it inside, like we keep it very, uh, we, we're evading the sensation most of the time, most of our sensations, the ones that are uncomfortable, we evade them.
0: Right. Because especially if the language of the body in your case requires movement, you know, we're, we live in a world where it's not really appropriate—again, air quotes—appropriate to encourage movement that's outside of what is yeah. socially normal. Um, you know, can you imagine if you were sitting at a bus stop on your way to work or something like that, and you realize you needed an well, unwinding. You it. It's you can do it. It's very <laughs> you can, but people are, people are going to be more inclined probably to go into a thought spiral. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: and but you can you can certainly do it in a way that's not um, conspicuous. Um, I've done it pretty much everywhere, um, and, and partly 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 because I don't care. You that's know? Nice. <laughs> partly because I don't care. I, I give no fuck no fucks whatsoever um, <laughs> to what people think when they look at me. Um, partly because very often it's really subtle. Like it doesn't have to be big things. It's a kind of like yeah. really subtle movement of the spine or of the shoulder or of the the pelvis, um, and it's just kind of um, yeah, it's just it's harder to do. if you're in a public place, obviously, because you can't focus as much or as well. Um,
0: Here's the thing that it reminds me of, though, <laughs> Laura, is that develop developing. That level of communication, um, awareness, it's a long journey for some because not only do you have to understand how to experience, speak, and understand the language of the body, but then what to do with that information and also building up the um, self-worth, confidence, whatever word you would use in order to engage with that um, because I think we do deal with suppression, embarrassment, um, other things that keep us from experiencing our bodies. And so um, my question to you is in your experience and in your studies, what have you found really useful to develop? Well,
1: that's a, that's a, (laughs) that's a good question. Um, I'm, Well, partly, again, I'm I'm a cheat because I'm French. And so I don't know, but it's it's true (laughs) because I don't have the same level of um, culturally um, imposed Mm. restrictions on the body as a woman, I mean, um, as Americans do, for sure. And I know that because I've lived in the U.S. It's not just like um, an idea. Um, it's something that i really witnessed firsthand. Um, and also I come from a family that doesn't have, cause I'm, of course there's French people who are really repressed, but I don't come from a family that was very repressed. Um, so that's not, that, that wasn't one hurdle for me, if you want. Um, the, um, one thing that I, fo- I found useful that, that I learned, I guess, through a number of years is that, um, the mind is not very smart um, and a lot of people it's, it's hard to hear for a lot of people um, especially in French actually we have we have the opposite problems <laughs> of you guys um, but the mind is not very smart it can't um, there are some things that it can't understand and if you absolutely want or try to understand what's going on um, you're going to miss part of what you need to do or you're going to miss part of the experience.
0: I have to say that you, you were the first practitioner I've ever ever worked with that really (laughs) helped that land for me is that idea that the body is not the body. Um, the body is going to understand, comprehend, respond, and the mind's going to be like, What? I don't under, I don't compute and I experienced that with you firsthand and we will go into <laughs> the work that you do with family constellations in a moment but um <laughs> sending you a bit of gratitude and appreciation for that because it is it is hard to understand that
1: yeah and it's and it's scary and you know I mean we are taught that actually we are taught that we decide our life with our mind which is a complete lie you know that's that's an absolute lie It's not what happens. We decide our life with our subconscious. 95% of our decisions are taken by the subconscious in reaction to life um, because of unconscious structure that was created as a child. And sometimes if you go back further, past lives and stuff like that. Um, So it's much more interesting to work with the subconscious and the body. And subconscious, you can't work with subconscious with reason. Like It doesn't care. It doesn't understand... The only way you can talk to the subconscious is through the body and through metaphor and stories. Um, you can't explain things. You can explain things. All you want the subconscious and you can understand all you want. And it's not going to change the behavior in an organic way. You know, it's going to be the will that's going to say, yeah, now I'm going to change this. and I'm, But it's not going to actually un, um, deconstruct um, the, the original construction. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Go
0: yeah. And I think, I think anyone would have, who's ever experienced talk therapy or experienced, mm-hmm. you know, sitting down with a friend or a loved one and trying to talk out your experience and realize you get to a point where you're like, this isn't actually moving anything. <laughs> I'm
1: just... Yeah. The the thing was talking and because I, I really encourage people with talking in my, in my sessions when I work with them. Um, and I talk to them as well. Uh, usually in metaphors and stories because I'm trying to talk to their subconscious more than their um, conscious mind. But talking can be great if it's connected to the body. Um, and very often something is going on in my, in my person's body, in my client's body, and I'll, I'll say something or I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll comment in a way that sparks them to say something about what they feel and they're going on and what's going on. And the moment that they say it, the thing moves, the energy moves, and it changes or it shifts. Um, Mm -hmm. The the problem with talk therapy or the problem with um, telling your story over and over again is that very often it's not connected to the body. It's not connected to any kind of um, actual feeling, and it creates um, really strong pathways in the brain towards um, that story that you're telling you know, instead of creating new pathways towards other things. Um, that right. being said, it can be right. really good, you know, especially for people who haven't been able to talk about anything or have had to hold secrets for a long time. And, and that's a completely different thing. But I see a lot of people, I mean, psychoanalysis is probably the, the best example of that, of seeing people who go and talk a lot and, and try to un- and understand a lot, but it doesn't move very fast. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't move. It just doesn't move very fast. It's not the it's not the most efficient way, in my experience, of having things change. You know.
0: Mm. And I think it's an incredibly insightful point. Um, and and I hope that I don't sound like I don't value <laughs> talking things out because I think it is very valuable, especially when when you say when mm-hmm. when the throat is really mm-hmm. inhibited, um, it can be incredible. So let's go back. Um, I'm just going to try to keep myself on track and then you on track um, because I took, us, I took us down a path there. Is Talk about some of the systems and modalities that you have studied. Now, you do have a background in dance, and I do think that that is integrated into your work indirectly. Um, but some of the things you've studied, you know, once we're past the time where you worked uh. with people in your teenage years, um, where have you gone in your own
1: personal, <gasps> um, education? A lot of places, um, yes, I was, I danced mm-hmm. for a while. Um, I wasn't necessarily very good at it, but I was, I did a lot of performing arts, like I danced and then I did acting school in New York. Um, I, I always sang and it was very clear in my mind, even as a very young age that, um, yes, I liked doing it. I liked doing it. Um unfortunately I wasn't as talented as I wanted to be. Um, but I was really doing this to learn how to be a human being and how to be in a body actually. Cause that was really complicated for me, it was tricky. Um incarnation in general was tricky. Um being in a body, talking, singing, expressing emotions, all all those were things that were really complicated. Um being in relationship with other people was really complicated. So for me, it was the fastest way to learn how to be a human in a, in a body. Um, and it worked really well. So <laughs> I'm grateful for that. Um, and then, um, I did study some, cause I always thought I was going to be a therapist at some point, another therapist, but like a healer or something. Cause my, probably cause my mom was one. Um, and also because um, unofficially that was always my role with everybody else. You know, people would seek me out for that. Um, so I studied kinesiology when I was I think twenty six or twenty-seven. Um, I did the Touch for Health. There's like there's a module, there's a, there's a like um, <laughs> that's not that's not an English word, there's a French word. But there's like there's a class called Touch for Health where you where you work on the, the biggest. Um muscular connections with emotions um in kinesiology and i loved it but i thought i was really too young um to be you know to help people like to be able to be with people who had more life story than i had um at this at this point um and then i i moved to new york and i was in acting school and i was great we did a lot of sense memory we did a lot of work that prepared me for um constellation that prepared me for what I do even in Central, um, because it made me aware of the power of, um, the, <laughs> the power of the brain, but the power of the body to kind of remember all of your life, all of your lifetime. Um, and then I, after a number of events that kind of turned my life upside down, um, I decided that it was, it was time, like it was the right time for me to start um, training. To do some kind of healing work, I just I didn't know which kind of healing work, but I knew that that was the
0: right moment for that. I'm um, just curious how old you were when that happened.
1: I was 30 33 I guess. Probably Jesus's age. Okay. Cool. Um, I think it was thirty three, um, or thirty four, and um, and through it was it was kind of. Um, like it wasn't planned. Like I didn't plan to study constellation. It was just that I was reading this book uh, written by my teacher, whose name is Francesca Mason Boring. And the book was, um, connecting to your, to your ancestral past. It's a wonderful book. I read it to everybody. And I was at the time, I was wondering what am I going to study? There's so many things to study. I don't know what I want to do. um, and I think I'd already done the Reiki with you. Um, and I down, I've i done a sound healing class as well. Um, but it,
0: Yeah, I remember that because you were trying to get me to go to one of those sacred song circles. Oh, and you were like really about that life at mm-hmm. the time. Um, and I had not really been exposed to that. So just a little moment, just remembering that my body's remembering yeah.
1: that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, that wasn't a good idea. Like I went to a couple of them and I was like, no, this is not my crowd. Um, but I was reading this book by Francesca yeah. and about like two chapters or three chapters in, uh, I'd done, con- I'd done family constellation in France years before. Um, and I thought the modality was really amazing. Uh, I just really didn't like the facilitator. And I thought it was, a, it was dangerous. It was done with the wrong person. You know? So it didn't even come to my mind as I was considering what to study. Um, and I was reading this book and three chapters in, I was like, I, I don't care what she teaches. Like, I need to study with this person like she can she can teach like how to knit baby boots like I don't care I have to go and you know spend some time with her um and and that was true that that was like I, I was lucky in my life that I usually I usually have a really strong sense of where I need to be um when when it's really big kind of um you know turns in my life um and so I registered for her training. Her training was in Seattle. I didn't even realize at the time that that was 6 hours fights from New York. <laughs> I thought it's in the same country. It can't be that far. Um, uh, which shows that I'm not a native. you know. I'm not like a, a native from America. or like a born-in-America kind of person. Um, and so... Um, and so I registered for training and I, and I started this training in Seattle with her, which was like a nine months training. So every month I would fly from New York to Seattle. <laughs> At the time I was really scared of flying, which is really funny now that I think about it. Um, and, uh, and that was wonderful. I mean, in family constellation, I, I love the modality. Like the modality is wonderful, but what, was the most important thing in that training was the community and was watching her be with other people, um, and the space that she could create for other people and the, how she, how she could hold other people's, um, systems. Um, and that was really the, the training that I got that was more important.
0: Right. And let me ask you, uh, let's take another turn here about um, speaking about containers and sacred space and holding space. Um, I'd love to classify that for people who are listening because I think it's, some, it's language I use, it's language you use. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes, as you know, when words travel around, they lose their meaning. Um, so what does that mean to you?
1: What does it mean to mean? Um
0: Like for me, when I think about being a facilitator and being yeah. in a room, um that holding is so much about presence, like unconditional, I'm here with whatever is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, trying to be in the purest sense present. Um, but I know that there are other parts of that, so I don't know if that kicks you off in any way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. It, 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 you know, everything kicks me off. Um, <laughs> um yeah, holding space, I mean, I, I didn't even use that term at the time when I was watching her work. That's the term that I that I kind of got into my vocabulary later when I started doing Crane sequel, where literally we were taught how to hold space, which is like something very specific. Um, but for me, it's um, really creating, like tr- first trusting that the person's system and when I say her system, I talk, or his, his system, I talk about um, the body, the soul, the spirit, the mind, like everything that makes them who they are, um, holds the solution. You know, you don't hold the solution. They hold the solution. Exactly. Um, Beautiful. And so first being very aware of that um, and having no intention around their well-being no agenda, uh, no stakes in their well Um, because the moment that you have stakes in how well they are, or how better they get or how, um, then you're not, you're creating a dynamic with them. You're not actually holding space for them anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think what you're sharing there is, is really big. It's big for teachers to hear that and other facilitators to hear that. It's like, I'll just put it more simply, like, don't bring your bullshit into the room. It's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. But like, that's, that's a lot of the work on our end.
1: Well, it's, it's hard because it's, um, a lot of people who do this work do it like, and I mean facilitators and therapists and everything. Um, they do it because some of their validation need is, um, intricately woven in how much they can help people. And that's, ter- that's and I mean, I'm, I come there I come from there as well. Like, that's not something that I was exempt of. Um, I'm more and, more and more exempt of it. Uh, there's some, some context where it's a little more difficult when you have more pressure or when you're, you're in a group. There's a, there's a bunch of contexts where it's harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, for me, it's really important to um, have no... Have, yeah, have no agenda. You know, like the moment that somebody tells me, like, "Oh, I do this because I want to help people," I'm like, "That's <laughs> run away." Because um, it's because they nobody needs like people don't need you. You know, people don't need me. They don't need me. They don't. I, I can't help them really. Um, there's nothing I can do for them, and also there's nothing that, um, and also I don't know what they came in for. You know. I can't know like what their soul meant uh, when they came here. And so I can't have an agenda for where they're supposed to go. I have some, like I am a human being. Okay. I have lots of opinions. I have so many opinions. You have no idea. Okay. Like mm-hmm. see somebody come in and they tell me a story and I have hallo- instantly, I have like 20 opinions that come in about oh, yeah. why and how, and this how they could do this better or that better. And my only job is to get all those opinions neatly into a bag and set them aside for the moment that I'm working with this person, and just um, you know just just be as neutral as possible also in myself with what they're showing me, which means whatever they're going through to find it in myself because we we all have all the experiences um, and see what is my relationship to that in myself if somebody comes in with a victim complex for instance which can be extremely grating for a lot of people um how can i like where is my victim complex
0: (laughs) that's such a beautiful part of of that work i think yeah is that that mirror is amazing Mm -hmm. Um, so we studied i'm saying we you you studied family constellations (laughs) you went into cranial sacral work Yes. Okay. And, um, let's talk a little bit, cause like I have my, the most experience I have with you is through constellation work. Yes. So if you were describing, and I know this is hard, what that was to someone who doesn't have any framework to understand what family constellation is, how would you describe that modality?
1: Um... <sighs> I mean, I would, first I would talk about systemic constellations because family constellation is just a part of systemic constellations. Right. Um, systemic constellations, the, 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 at its bare, bone, bare bones description, is um, a way to observe the dynamics within any system. That's like the simplest way to define it. And by system, we we mean um, an ensemble of parts or an ensemble of elements that are interconnected and exist in interconnection, which means that when one is affected then all of them are affected and when one changes, every, everybody else changes. Um, and of course, the universe is a, is a system. You know, like we don't know, we don't, as human beings, we're not aware of it, and we don't really want to know it, <laughs> except we're going to have to know it, I think, in the next 30 years, but um, it's not something that people are very interested in, but the whole universe is a system, because we are, everything in life, everything, nature is interconnected. If you change one element, you can see it in natural parks, or in if you take out like one species of animal, or one species of plant, and everything is affected, and the whole Landscape of life changes. So, with constellation, you can watch the dynamics um, at any level of the system. It can be like the very micro or the very macro. Like, you can go up to the universe and watch and do constellations about the planets. I've done that, it's really fun. Um, You can do constellations about, probably, you could probably do constellations about insects, you know, or even like um, when we do. Um, we do medical consultation, you can do consultation about, um, cells, you know, like cancer cells or stuff like that. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's the definition of it, not for the practice of it. Um, the way it works is that literally people are picked randomly to represent the different elements of the system and they're placed in what we call the field, the knowing field, um, which is just the space in the center of the circle. Cause we usually do this in a circle. Um, and they don't have to do anything. They don't have to imagine what it's like to be, whatever they're representing. They don't have to act. They don't have to do anything. They just have to stand there and be aware of what's going on in their bodies and in their emotions and of, um, what they feel when they look at the other people in the constellation with them. And they always, there's so always, you know, people say, oh, well, what if I don't feel anything? But that never happens. Or if it, if it does happen, it's usually part of the constellation when somebody says, I don't feel anything. It's really rare not to feel anything as a human being. So when somebody says, I don't feel anything, it's usually actually a very foreign kind of experience. Um, and it's usually, pertains to the constellation, as you've heard me say thousands of times.
0: Oh, yeah, that's the tagline
1: right there. <laughs> Everything pertains to the constellation.
0: <laughs> and, you know, um, I've I've done this work with you a few times now, and it is, I know you probably won't like me using language like this, but it's like absolutely magical to watch. It's <laughs> transfic- transfixing to experience, transfixing to watch, and both rooting and completely uprooting in the most profound way. Um, I'm not being very neutral here about it.
1: But, <laughs> well, I'm glad you flew me all the way to Sedona thanks to that. So I'm not
0: going to I mean, for me, <laughs> let me just tell the people listening about it. For me, I just, because it was so related to the body and so related to awareness um, and relational energy, I thought, this is so such an incredible modality to introduce to dancers as a different way to experience how they are receiving information, how they are expressing themselves. Um, and we did, I think we did a really cool kickoff experience of trying to combine family constellation, systemic constellation work with movement. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm so excited to do more of that. It is really (laughs) cool. Um, but let's dive in a little bit further into Constellation work. Could you give us a little story or two in whatever way you're most comfortable of experiences that people have had in Constellation work? Mm Um, You know, and it can be in general terms. (laughs) So give some people some context of the kind of work that happens.
1: Um, Yeah, it's a very wide um, kind of range. Because, as I said, you can cancel anything. Um, And it's very interesting. It, It shifts things. Um, on a deep level. And when you do family constellation, or you cancel the family system, and when I say family system, I mean the living and the dead, usually. Um, It can really shift things in the way that the family um, relates, Uh, you know, members of family relate to each other. Um, I've had people come to circles, um, for instance, because they were estranged from their children, um, and interestingly enough, not, not do a constellation for themselves, but we present in other people's constellation, usually the parent. And after a couple of circles, call me to say, hey, my, my son or my daughter has called me. Um, and we're, we're, we're talking again. Um, and they, they didn't know, you know, like they, they couldn't say why they credited the work for that. They couldn't say, like, I Know this happened because this happened at this moment in constellation, but they knew that it was directly related. Um, I've had recently, I've had a uh, we did a constellation for a client of mine who was uh, couldn't come because she had two young children and she couldn't be there. Um, and her oldest son, who was two years old, um, needed a liver transplant, and so we, we did a constellation around his male line like the strength of a male line because there was an absence from the father and we brought in also represented for the new liver and throughout the constellation it was really interesting because the the male line really um, became peaceful and supportive but and also from the start the new liver and the boy the person representing the boy were in love with each other it was like it was so positive it was so like they, look, they were looking at each other and it was two women like the two women were <laughs> presenting this and they were saying oh I love her I really want to be close to her I feel warm when I look at her and um and this boy's mom called me a few weeks ago saying that the transplant like that everything went so well and the tran- transplant happened in kind of almost magical Way and that um, the doctors don't understand how he can be uh, recuperating so fast and blah, blah 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 blah. So it, like it's so really wide. Like I've I've done consultations for myself um, that about incarnation that brought me from the from the dead from the world of the dead to the world of the living kind of so it can be that kind of broad. Things, Um, there's so many. You know, the thing is, I don't, I don't often hear about um, what happens after, unless the people come back. Um, I've had, I have many, like I have many stories or images of constellation where I know something shifted, something happened, but I, I can't, like I don't have, I can't in good faith tell you, Oh yeah, this happened in the person's life. Cause most people actually, they forget what's the best thing about constellation is that, and we were talking earlier about the mind is that you, one of the things about constellation, we always say like the first rule of constellation is you don't talk about constellations. Um, and it's because, so we, we recommend to people when they have a constellation done to forget it as soon as they leave um, and to not talk about it because talking about it kind of brings it into the conscious mind that then seizes it <laughs> and reduces the, the, the power of the work of the, or the um, resonance of the work. Cause it's a, it's a work that speaks directly to the soul. It doesn't really speak to the mind. Um, so I've had people come in for a constellation, do the constellation, leave and then come back a few months later and say, I can't for the life of me remember the consultation that you did for me last time. And without telling them what it was, I talked to them about the problem that they had and said, hey, okay, but how are you with this that you were consulting about? And they're like, oh, you're right. That's not a problem anymore. That's completely gone. And they just didn't even realize it because it happens on another level. They forget it. They forget. They forget the problem. (laughs) They forget that the problem was there. You
0: know. There's there's so much ease in that. But I will say, funnily enough, when it's like the um, saying, "Don't think about a pink elephant." Mm -hmm. It's like, don't talk about the constellation. Don't think about the constellation. And then my mind will be like, ooh, (laughs) the Uh, (laughs) constellation. But it, it is absolutely beautiful work. And what I want to do now with your permission is um, get a little practical with, you know, taking these principles of the fact that we have all of the solution and wisdom and insight in, within us, right? Of course, we need support at different points in time. But how can we or someone listening start to practice some of this way of relating either to their own bodies or um, to different uh, conditions in their life, how they feel when they're in their job, how they feel when they're in their home, how they feel when they're dancing, whatever it is that someone finds themselves in as a that has its own system. Um, how could someone, without knowing, you know, not going into school and or working with someone directly, start to take some tools from this work um it could be something super simple but um yeah if you have any tips <laughs> um what sorry i think it could be really cool to to share a, a little micro dose <laughs> of how this could work in someone's life today
1: um i mean first i i, I do want to say um you have to work with someone at some point. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And not just not, and it's not in the way like that the other person will have the solution for you. will have the answers for you. It's is like a lot of clients. That that's what they wait for. They know that's what they're waiting when they come. Um, but it's more like it's impossible to see your own blind spots. And exactly. you need the other human being um, either who's going to point them out to you or who's going to be such a good mirror. That they're gonna, (laughs) you're gonna have to deal with those through them. Um, But
0: you know, that's a tip in of itself is to start to (laughs) uh, notice the mirrors. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, I guess I guess that would be like the the first tip I would say, and that's the way that I I take my life or I live my life um, is consider and. It's, I, I, you know, it's something that's been said 10,000 times in 10,000 ways, and, um, and it's really well to know it in your, in your head, and it's another story to kind of um, go through your body with it. Um, consider that everything in your reality, and I do mean everything, um, you know, like everything, everything that surrounds you, the people, everybody you meet, not just the not just the thing that seem important or just not, not just the thing that things that you feel like you have to say oh well you know there's a reason for everything i was like it's like this <laughs> it's, it's so everybody says that and nobody really understand what it means like this thing of saying uh oh there's a lesson in that or i have to learn something from that and and i hate this idea of lesson like i don't i'm not a big fan of the oh yeah life is a lesson you have to learn the lessons and we're not in school um but that all of your reality um is a tool that you're creating or like a part of you that you don't have conscious access to um is creating in the present time to help you digest your life and digest yourself and when I say digest, it's like it's process stuff out of your system that needs to be processed out or processed in, actually. But, you know. um, and so that everything that you encounter, it's not a lesson to be learned. That's why I'm like, because that's very mind oriented, you know, like, oh, I have to understand this situation. You don't have to understand the situation. You have to sit with it. That's a very different way of being. It's more like it's closer to the zen zen kind of uh, way of of seeing things. But you have to sit with it and feel in your body what is going on, like what is it showing up, what is is it triggering, what's showing up. And then if you follow that thread, it's like it's following a, a red thread really. If you follow that thread and if you sit with that, most of the time something will come up that is much older than the situation that you're going through, um, and it will come up in your memory. It, it won't be like an understand. It won't be like a conscious understanding. Suddenly, you'll find yourself thinking about a memory, or thinking about a place, or thinking about something that happened. And if you don't pay attention, you you won't even catch it. You know, it's like it it will be something that shows up by itself. Um, and if you sit with that and you, you just understand that and you can feel in your body and you let what wants to happen in your body at that moment. And I'll give an example later because that's, I know it's a very kind of um, abstract what I'm saying right now, but, um, if you sit with that and you let your body process it, something will happen. You'll cry, you'll move, you'll laugh, you'll scream, you know, something will happen. um, And the more that you look at your reality this way and the less you're going to be helpless um, or feel helpless because you're always going to feel like everything that happens is a tool. And again, like I'm saying again, not a lesson (laughs) because I'm very insistent. But the lesson is like it stays in your head. Oh, I understand this. I understand this. This, uh, you know, this uh, relationship. I understand what's happening with this person because it's showing me this and it's showing me that and so, And it, and that you can understand all you want. It's not going to actually help you process it. What's going to help you process it is to go in the body and what is going on there. Um, yeah, and really embody that. <laughs> a very <laughs> yeah. A very simple. A very simple example. A personal example. Um I live on the edge of the forest, literally at the at the end of my backyard is a forest. And the owner of that forest decided to cut the trees um on like 25 meter deeps, which I have no idea what it is in feet, but it's pretty far from um my house. Um And when I heard that news, I was horrified because I bought the house, um, in part because it's surrounded with trees and I was horrified and I felt, felt really bad. Like, you know, and for three days I kind of ignored it. And I was like, Oh, I need to write to the, you know, to the town hall and say something and do something. What can I do? I have to reach the owner to say to, you know, to, to ask if he can not cut my trees and (laughs) all the reactions, you know, like all the reactions, Um, and then after three days, I say, okay, okay, stop, stop running in circle, which is everybody likes to do that. Um, and just sit with what, what is it? Like, why are you so upset? It's fine. You know, like life is, um, always, uh, impermanence. Everything's changing all the time. So when something, there's a big reaction to something that's changing, it's usually a resonant from something else. So I sat with it and As I was sitting with what was going on in my body, um, the nausea I was feeling and things that were really feeling um, icky, kind of. um, I caught, like, this image. Well, not this image, but I started thinking about my family home, which we'd sold two years prior. It's a beautiful park, beautiful trees. And I started thinking about the tempest that we had in '99 in France that... Um, fell a number of those trees and I started feeling the sadness that at the time I hadn't even registered for the loss of those trees I was maybe 16 or 17 at the time and I wasn't you know I mean (laughs) I wasn't into what I'm into right now and I would have I don't think I would have cried for a tree you know that wasn't an option at the time I guess Um, but I started feeling that And so I started crying for those trees because obviously I hadn't, there was something in my body that hadn't um, been able to go through that emotion and express itself at the time. Um, And when that was done, suddenly I had no problem with them cutting my trees (laughs) anymore. You know, I wasn't necessarily happy about it, but it wasn't making me really obsessive or really... Uh, uncomfortable. And I was even open to the idea that it might be actually great. It might give me more space and more light and uh, lots of good things could come from that. Um, Mm. because it had nothing, my reaction had nothing to do with the actual situation, which is 90% of the time, you know, for everyone.
0: I mean, I think that's a really powerful thing to consider, you know, especially in the beginning of this, recording you were talking about how so much of life operates from the subconscious Mm -hmm. and if one of our goals in doing work Mm quote-unquote is awareness the more and more aware and obviously that journey never ends (laughs) right that's why we all exist never ends but what does that end up yielding for our present moment experience, right? And I'm listening to you talk about the story about the trees. And then as you processed and integrated and become aware of a former imprint, then you felt different. You felt, I don't Available. know, neutral, fine, good.
1: Available. I think uh, yeah. that's a good word.
0: Available. And so I want to talk about that for a second. I know we're getting close to the end Mm -hmm. of our session, but what are some of the outcomes, you know, dare I say benefits? (laughs) uh, You know, because, yeah, we could live our lives and do none of this work. Oh, yeah. But
1: the good thing is that you could do this, live your life and do none of this work, and your reality would Mm -hmm. still get you to process a shitload of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't be aware right. of it. And lots of people do it that way. It's just less efficient. You know. It takes more time right. when you do it and, uh, from an unconscious um, point of view. And, but you, you're always going to create a reality that's going to help you process stuff. The difference, the only difference, it's not the only difference, but it's one of the differences, is that the moment that you start engaging with the work, it's like seeing your reality as a tool and using it, First, it's more efficient, so it's faster. Which is, you know, <laughs> that's a benefit in itself. And second, you stop feeling like you have no power over your life.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you stop feeling. I, I, the, the image that I would say is that when you're not really, when you're not really conscious, or you're not trying to be conscious, or you're trying to, or you're feeling like, you know, everybody's out to get me, or my life is so terrible, and like, whatever is going on. It's like you're sitting on the side of the road and, um, getting rocks piled on you basically. Um, whereas when you're, when you're seeing your reality as a, as a tool to process who you are and get closer and closer to your true self or to your, your essence, um, you're walking on the road and then there's a mountain and you have to climb the mountain and then on top of the mountain, you have a really nice view, and then you have to go down the mountain. And then there's a river, and you have to cross the river. And you just, you know, that's, there's not a sense of helplessness. It's just a sense of um, I'm moving through my life, and I'm using everything that it's, that it's um, offering me in order to get closer to, I guess, real freedom or real choice, you know, like a choice that's not influenced by, a choice that's not a reaction because we do, like, most of our choices...
0: Or a result of, like, programming. Yeah, right? our,
1: our choices are reactions most of the time, you know? Like, right. They're just reactions that are based on our the conscious structure that we created as a child in order to survive, you know, to survive whatever was going on with our family and whatever we felt um, wasn't safe and whatever. And you create a certain frame, you know? And from that... Yes um, if you don't, if you're not careful, you're going to spend all your life reacting from that and never actually making a choice, you know?
0: And, and I'll, I'll add to that, that, you know, s- some things that, like, some tools are much, much, much heavier to carry than others. And so I do think that it is important yeah. to just, re- to, to say that reminder that we need each other and we need support in very important times in our life in order to process things that are very heavy um and I mean that's the beauty of I suppose facilitators like you right Um, (laughs) there are places to go yeah
1: I think community you know community is an undervalued 100% (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's from my own experience, it's given me, and, and I've experienced it quite late in life, actually. I never really felt what community was until I was um, 30, past my 30s.
0: You um, don't really know how to generate genuine community. So I, it makes sense to me, you know, it's, um, yeah. it's a tough thing to navigate when you don't have the tools to understand Or experience like healthy belonging and healthy ways of relating, and
1: yeah, but you can even if you don't have those. Because I mean, when I started my my family constellation training, I was actually going through some really heavy triggering, and I was I was I was a mess in terms of relating. (laughs) But I still felt extremely supported. Um, I would say, and and that's I mean, it's it's terrible to say, but um, it's easier for women. Um, because we know it's true. You know, and I'd say for younger women to find a community of older women is actually wonderful if they can. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's really supportive and that's really helpful. If you feel like, you know, you're in, you're in a space we are in a place where you're really fragile. Um, I'd urge you to go to like, uh, an old lady, Embroidery circle or knitting circle.
0: I think that's such a good tip.
1: Because those are everywhere, you know, like you can find them everywhere. And if you go there with genuine um, availability to get to know them and speak to them, and some of them, you know, you like and some of them you don't like, and there's always somebody in the group that you don't like, and that's okay. Um, But just being in that kind of um, space with other, with other people, um, uh, with other women. Um, and I wish there were more kind of healthy community for men as well. Um, led by men is also what I mean.
0: I mean, I, if I'm just looking at the, at the wheel in general, I think that that will be pretty mandatory here in the coming future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we have so much toxicity going on. And, <laughs> oh, here's the same. Um,
1: like there's very few, uh, male led, um, men talking circles or stuff like that. Um, which is, which is sad, like, you know, and even in my, in my clients and stuff I have, maybe, I mean, I always have some men, but it's nothing compared to the number of women.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So true. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I feel not so neutral about the fact that this is ending, um, <laughs> cause I've had such a good time talking to you. And then I think, I think we could definitely, in the future, do a part two and um, and dive a little further in some of the subjects. But I just want to extend my gratitude to you for being available and really engaging with um, this conversation because I think it's an important one. And of course, I I've, my spirit gets really lit up um, with this kind of this kind of process. And um, and I hope that you guys listening out there found something useful in it. And if you want to find Lore and contact her to do work with her or just learn more about her, um, your website is, can you tell me the URL? Uh, sure.
1: My, uh, the American site of my website um, is www.terrafirma healing, So www.terrafirmahealing.com.
0: Awesome, and of course, if you want to work with us, um, checking out, finding your freestyle for twenty twenty. Um, anything else you want to share before we sign off?
1: <laughs> well, I'm pretty <laughs> lit talking with you, so you know that that makes me really happy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for no, it
0: was my, my absolute pleasure.
1: your wonderful enthusiastic enthusiastic. Self. Um, <laughs> and uh and yeah, and yeah, people are uh welcome to send questions I and mean, maybe we can part two with people's questions. <laughs>
0: I'd love to do that. That would be really cool, actually. So um I'll make sure to maybe put in um a form for that. Um probably on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So following me on Instagram at finding your freestyle. And we will see if there's enough Q&A in order to do a second session. Maybe we can even do it live on IG. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe make oh, wow. that a possibility and do it a bit more impromptu. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you, Laura, for your time. And thank you guys for your time if you're here at the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for your Um, availability for this information that's my new buzzword laura i'm taking it i'm stealing it availability
1: (laughs) go for it (laughs) it's so good it's so good
0: (laughs) Um, send you guys much love and i will connect with you again soon bye-bye you've been listening to the finding your freestyle podcast To learn more about Finding Your Freestyle, visit our website at www.findingyourfreestyle.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook under Finding Your Freestyle.